Hello, welcome to Guides the Unknown. I'm Kristen. I'm William. And we are here to tell you a spooky tale today. A tale of old and a tale of just this week. That's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. there are a lot of, you know, horrific things, a lot of haunted places mm-hmm. that we consider to have been something that occurred in the past. Right. But all these stories do stretch to the present day. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've been watching the headlines, but there's been recent news about a very famous haunted spot. We're going to talk about that on this episode. That's right. But William, before we get started, I want to mention that I am starting a new project. So on Thursday, August 1st, I'm going to be debuting my new show on youtube.com slash talkbomb called Dearly Departed Pop. So it's going to be a show about TV shows, possibly some movies that are no longer with us, things that have been canceled, things that you just haven't thought about in a while that you're like, oh man. And I'm going to discuss them live with you guys the first Thursday of every month. So the deal is you don't have to watch these shows in order to watch Dearly Departed Pop and enjoy it because I'm going to recap the show or the movie or whatever in the beginning of every episode of Dearly Departed Pop, then go into my musings on things that jumped out to me about the show while I was watching it. You're going to be spoiling so, it and stuff too, right? Big time spoilers. This is yeah. going to be a spoiler-laden show. So it might either be the kind of thing where you like spoilery things and they make you excited and want to watch watch that sort of thing. Or if you're somebody who knows that you might want to watch whatever I'm talking about and don't want to be spoiled, then you might want to back away from this and revisit it later after you've watched the show because it's going to be spoiler, spoiler, spoiler all over the place. And because it's a live stream, there's going to be a chat going like there is for Guides the Unknown every week where people can talk to each other. But something that's a little bit different about this show is that you can talk to me in real time. And I'm going to talk back to you as the show goes. So it's really a discussion between me and whoever is in the chat. But I wanted to mention that you don't have to engage in the chat thing at all to watch the show. So I think if I were me, not knowing as much about live streams and hearing this, I might be like, oh, that sounds cool. But like, I don't really want to chat with anybody. And I don't really want to chat with Chris. I'd rather just watch this. I like nobody's going to know that you're in there watching it unless you literally type in and say, I'm here. Hey, what's up? You can totally watch this and just lurk on it and just enjoy it and not participate in any way. There's no required audience participation. That's my nightmare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You required. Can, mean. Yeah, you yeah. can just sit and watch it and yeah. enjoy it. Yeah. Exactly. Totally. So, um, and also there's going to be a replay available of the show immediately after the show is done. So you can also, if you can't make it on the first Thursday of every month at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, you can always just go to youtube.com slash talk bomb after that and the replay will be available. You. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ah. And the replay will be available for you to watch at your leisure forever. Perfect. So let me know what you guys think. Definitely, if you're into it, come watch the show live or later. But let me know what you think of it. I'm starting it off as a once monthly first Thursday of the month live stream. But I'm open to the idea of doing it more often and maybe even as a podcast or something if people are into it. So let me know what you think. You can also follow Dearly Departed Pop now on social media. It's at Dearly Departed Pop on Instagram. It's Facebook.com slash Dearly Departed Pop. And it's Departed Pop on Twitter because it was too long. Oh, that's annoying. Yeah, I know. Um, 
what are, what's the first thing you're doing? The first thing I'm doing is the show Harper's Island. That was a like whodunity slasher on CBS. I just recently blew through and I think it's gonna be really fun to talk about. Where'd you blow through it? Somewhere legitimate? Yeah, it was on Amazon Prime. It's on Amazon Prime. So people mm-hmm. could theoretically watch a bunch of this in preparation yeah. for your live stream. Yes, exactly. Cool. But if you don't want to, you don't have to. So in these live streams, I'm going to summarize the thing that I am talking about so that if you want to just kind of pop in and listen, you'll find out what the deal is overall. And then I'll go into things that particularly stood out to me that I really enjoyed. So you can either watch in advance if you want to be on the same page as me, or you can just watch the YouTube video as is or the live stream as is, and you'll understand what I'm talking about to a degree. Cool. So because of that, you know, spoilers, obviously. It's going to be a very, very spoilery show. I'm not going to try to hedge bets or anything. So be aware of that, but I think it'll be really fun. Hopefully you guys can talk to each other in the chat. I'll also be talking to the chat as it goes. And I think it'll be a good time. Hell yeah. yeah. I, I think I'm going to be in that chat. I bet you will. I'm very curious about Harper's Island. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've never been as obsessed with like reality TV or pop culture to the degree yeah. that you are. Mm-hmm. Um, Harper's Island is definitely on my radar, but not very much. So I'm really yeah. excited to hear about it. Yeah. Yeah. It, I really enjoyed it. I love the, I love it. Periodically, it seems like, uh, TV tries to merge reality with whodunits. Well, this isn't reality. It's a oh, scripted it's show. Oh, I thought it was. No. I thought that was part of the, the jam was that there was some element of like, you can either, or maybe reality is the wrong yeah. thing to say, but like on American Idol, you can like vote who's in or whatever. Oh. I thought there was like audience participation on that show somehow. No. Maybe they marketed it to me poorly then because I didn't, <laughs> I, maybe I just misunderstood. Whatever. I don't think so. I don't know. I mean, are you thinking of that show Who Done It that we both watched? No, like, but I did love that. Yes. That's uh, maybe something Harper's that I'm going to be talking about perhaps next, but maybe, we'll see. Yeah. Maybe I just remember Harper's Island as looking so rough around the edges that I assumed it was reality TV. It's not. Really? No. It's like a network, like, well-produced show. Oh, okay. Well, I guess I I'm in for a reckoning. Have... <laughs> I wonder if you just think you have something else, maybe. I'm not sure. Well, whatever. Then I wonder what the hell that thing. I'll, I'll do some research. I'll look into it, too. <laughs> we'll figure whatever. it out. We'll figure it out. One by one. It's <laughs> like the tagline for Harper's Oh, thank Island. God. <laughs> Kristen's trying out a cool <laughs> new thing. I just wanted to leave you with that. Yeah. Until next time. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, instead of having, like, I don't know, like a long theme thing or title card or whatever, it's just like a slash and then, like, some quick shots from the show and then a little kid's voice going, wang, bang, wang. Oh, boy. It's nothing like that, by the way. It is a little kid's voice saying one by one in a way that I think is funny, but. Cool. Yeah. Well, all right. Dearly departed pop. Yep. Uh, first thursday of every month sweet yep uh cool yeah so anyway now on to our topic for the night we are going to talk about the conjuring house the house whose story is told in the conjuring movies you may have heard of it before and lorraine warren visited it it's the story of the perrin family do you think that's how you pronounce it yeah i think so yeah yeah um so i'm gonna talk about the events that actually transpired and caused the whole conjuring thing to come to (laughs) why am i saying this all weird i'm gonna talk about the history of the house the haunted events that happened there and kind of the real story and then will is gonna cover like all the pop culture the movie Mm -hmm. the stuff the movie did that i think must be different from the real story though i didn't research the real story yes and i also didn't really research the movie and i haven't seen it in a long time so yeah okay cool but uh uh yeah i'm gonna talk about that i'm gonna talk about some of the recent stuff that's been in headlines recently about 
the uh, the parent house mm-hmm. because uh, we've got something coming our way. Something, parent house is popping. Something wicked this way comes. <laughs> but we, I, you know what? I guess I'll just say it this way. Uh, you may think the story is over, but it hasn't even began. <laughs> Zach Baggins is involved in the story. Is what I mean. <laughs> but we'll get to that later. I can't wait for that oh i can wait like the actual event to happen i can wait well we had such a good time watching zach bagan's haunted museum live stream last halloween we did yeah we did we did i I, from what i can tell this thing isn't going to be live i'm wondering if it's because they learned their lesson last year maybe it will be i i'm not seeing anywhere anyone say that it's going to be live i think i assumed yeah okay i made nasty you and me well what can you do last year he was uh (laughs) caught (laughs) He was caught. <laughs> oh, God. Caught with his pants. And I'm sure I have tons of straps and buckles on them. Caught yeah. with them down. Yeah. All his chains. Yeah. His, like, belt chain or, what, or wallet chain. Yeah. Was that yeah. Thing? Wallet chain. <laughs> Way down his pants. <laughs> okay. So the movie The Conjuring came out in 2013. And I'm sure that a lot of you probably know about it. Um, it's a big deal movie. It spawned what's known as the Conjuring Cinematic Universe that includes... All of the Conjuring movies, um, Annabelle, La Llorona, stuff like that. The Nun. The, oh, God, The Nun. And coming up, The Crooked Man. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I'm into that. I really like The Conjuring movies, like Conjuring 1 and 2. From what I remember, I do. Again, I like I said, I haven't seen either of these movies, and I don't know how long, but I think upon them fondly. I'm excited no? to talk about them. Okay. Um yeah, so just in case, it's the story of Ed and Lorraine Warren going to a haunted house in Rhode Island to take care of business, and business ends up taking care of them. That's true. Yeah. So here's the deal. The Perrin family moved into this like big 14-room farmhouse in Rhode Island in 1970. They're a big family. The parents are named Carolyn and Roger, and then they had five daughters. So... The daughter, Andrea Perrin, who's the oldest, has been the most vocal, kind of seemingly, about all the events that happened in the house. She actually wrote a book about the house that is what was turned into the Conjuring movie. Like, no? Kind of. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, it's the basis. Because they didn't allow Ed and Lorraine Warren to write about the events of the house. Oh, is that right? Like, it's not from a book that Ed and Lorraine Warren wrote or anything. It's the source material was... What is it? Dark? What is it called? Do you remember? I have it in my notes. Hey, it's I'll like get to it first. House of Darkness, House of, House Darkness, of Light. House of Light. Yeah. So Parts she, one, two, and three. Yes. So she was writing that, and she said somehow Hollywood came a-calling. I did a little research on Andrea Perrin, because she has been kind of the most vocal family member, and I thought that I could find the most, like, sound bites of Andrea talking about it that would give me the inside scoop. And I found a video that I used for a lot of rich source material, which is her 2014 appearance on San Antonio Living. Oh. <laughs> yes. Um, so she says that they experienced weird stuff in the house instantly like right away she said when they were moving into the house that she was walking with a box and she saw this guy in their dining room that she didn't recognize and she said she was polite so she like smiled and said hi to him but he wasn't even looking at her or acknowledging her at all he was just looking at the older man who was leaving the house actual like she you know he's a solid man they knew it was the guy who was moving out of the house he seemed to only be paying attention to him And then when she walked a little bit further from the dining room to the kitchen and she saw her mom, she was like, who's the other guy in the dining room? And she was like, there's no other guy in the dining room. Mm. So then the sisters, when they came in and were moving stuff, said that 
they came in freaking out and said that they had seen a guy in the dining room disappear before their eyes. Whoa. So the tone is really set on their new 14-room farmhouse. Yeah, night Things, one. Yeah, exactly. Instantly weird. Um, They started noticing other things almost right away, and it was pretty kind of standard haunted house stuff, like objects being moved around um, or just not being where they left them, um, stuff being, like, shoved under beds. They heard sounds in the kitchen when no one was in there. It seemed like the kitchen was kind of like a hot spot. Um, somehow there would be piles of dirt left on the kitchen floor, like, right after Carolyn, the mom, had cleaned the floor. And I find that very... Um, that'd be very, very alarming to me. Like, that's more than just kind of like, oh, I heard a weird sound. Things are being moved around. You could kind of think to yourself that, you know, that's You're, just a, yeah. a trick of your mind or whatever. It's so deliberate in action to have a floor just be cleaned and then have piles of dirt just on the floor. Like, not even that they tracked dirt in and the floor is dirty. It just seems so deliberate and pointed and um, mean. You See, know? I feel like there's something about that that I could convince myself I'm seeing things. I'd be like, oh, maybe there's a crack in the ceiling I can't really see. Yeah, I guess. You know what I mean? But like, I don't know. Like, if it was a crack in the ceiling that you couldn't really see, how would it leave, like, a pile of dirt? You know? I guess pile pile could they mean anything pile. from, yeah. like, you know, a teeny tiny anthill to, like, Even, well, a mountain. Yeah, guess, you know what I mean? Yeah, I a pile guess, is I guess a vague an enough term. I guess an anthill constitutes a pile. I picture it being slightly larger, so I guess yeah. that's why I found it alarming. I guess I picture, like, a handful of dirt is at different spots in the floor not connected to each other is what I imagine. Yeah. And that's scary to me. Yeah. You know who does that perfectly? Who uh, leaves piles of dirt on the floor perfectly? <laughs> uh, I tracked mud into the house the other day, so I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, uh, in uh, the movie Poltergeist, mm -hmm. when they spot something that like reoccurs. I'm always fascinated by like the rules that hauntings appear to yeah. follow. I really like this idea that you can sort of um, – you know, actually, I'll, I'll jump to something from the Conjuring movie from later on. Mm -hmm. uh, the mother, mm -hmm. Carolyn Perrin, goes to the Warrens and asks them to come investigate her house. And Ed is initially skeptical. And he's like, ah, listen, usually these things have a completely rational explanation. And I find that to be such a curious phrase to use because mm -hmm. the way that people talk about hauntings, it's like, yeah, I clean the floor and then there are still dirt piles. Yeah. So I clean the floor again, then there are still dirt. And it's like, okay, well, that's you can explain that rationally. Right. Every time you clean the floor, a dirt pile shows up. That's a rule. Yeah, exactly. You've now established a rule with yeah. this. Gotcha. And like Poltergeist did mm -hmm. that, right? So like in the kitchen in Poltergeist, if you sit in a certain spot or put a chair in a certain spot, it zoop, right. slides across the floor to the other wall. Right. And their reaction to it isn't ghost. Their reaction to it is like, this is really wild. Yeah. Like what there's the a sort of like think electromagnetic thing, thing happening. And they almost have fun with it. Like if yeah. that happened, I don't know if I'd be scared. I'd be like, watch this. Yeah. Watch me wash the floor. Mm -hmm. And then look, there's dirt again. Like you would play with the- I guess you would find the, a way to rationalize it too. I guess I, I guess You'd play I would, with the cause and effect of it. Yes. And I guess I would think like depending on how big this pile is we're talking about, if it's more of like an anthill thing, I guess I might be like- are these things there like all the time? I just notice them more right, right after I clean because it's like a pristine black and white yeah. sort of thing, like clean versus dirty. Right. So yeah, I mean, I would, I would think you'd have to rationalize things away. But yeah, I, I know what you're saying. I like the idea of being like, okay, we've established a yeah. cause and effect, a There's, rule thing. It seems like there was a lot of patterns to yeah. hauntings. You do this, that happens. Mm -hmm. Play with that. Try to recreate it. You can do, you can like apply the scientific method yeah. to ghosts. Yeah. Which I guess is what people do. I guess that's what people try to do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's cool to think about. Yeah. Um, let me see. So, you know, 
messing the kitchen floor aside, it seemed like the ghosts were pretty harmless at first. Like the girls, it sounds like enjoyed them and kind of played with oh, them. Oh, there you go. Okay. Um, what? The same kind of thing. Like yeah. the immediate fear of something mm-hmm. is almost, I feel like we would, I feel like the, the human instinct and especially, I guess, kids, that yeah. makes sense is, is to not overthink it. Right. And like as an adult, I'm sure I would be like really perturbed by something as a kid. Yeah. Kids like, have such powerful imaginations yes and have not experienced so many things mm-hmm. it's just like the older you get the more you learn what's not yeah. plausible in reality right they don't know that this isn't necessarily possible yeah, they're exactly. just experiencing something and they trust that yeah. rather than like rationalizing it away i like that yeah totally um something you said i just want to go back to i just remembered you mentioned something about the conjuring movie did you re-watch clips of it or anything like that today by any chance no okay All i right. did watch the whole movie Oh, you watched today? You watched the whole movie? I put it on on Netflix. Oh, okay. Oh, it's it on play. Netflix? Mm-hmm. It's on oh, Netflix. Okay. I, I didn't, watch it. I, I, I can't claim that I sat there and got no, engrossed in the cinematic. I had work yeah. to do. Yeah. But like, I, I had it on and I sort of like charted out some of the Checked things in. that happened in the movies, the sort of lore of it and everything like mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah. Did Patrick Wilson have a Boston accent in the movie? You know, sometimes. <laughs> okay. The reason I'm asking, and I mentioned this on the show, I'm like a while ago or something. I have the audiobook of, um, De- The Demonologist, which is a book. I don't know if it's a, I don't know if it's by Ed and Lorraine Warren. It's definitely about Ed and Lorraine Warren. I haven't listened to it in a long time. Either way, the author of it, who's reading as Ed, has this heavy Boston accent. That sounds like a fake Boston accent to me. And then when we did the episode about Lorraine Warren's dolls, which was like a handful of episodes ago, I watched a video of actual Ed Warren speaking. And because I had listened to this audiobook, I assumed that he was right. going to have this heavy Boston accent and he didn't have one. And I was like, so then where did this guy get this inspiration from? And I wondered if it was Patrick Wilson in the movies, maybe. No, they're both Ed and Lorraine Warren in the movie are very um, sort of like middle of the road. Nothing mm-hmm. about them is extreme. Yeah. So they have kind of an accent but not really mm-hmm. um they kind of have like motivation and a little bit of darkness to them but not really they're yeah. kind of a little too saccharine and sweet and uh-huh. there are a bunch of scenes of lorraine combing their daughter's hair in the beginning <laughs> and it really paints a portrait of them as being kind of perfect not yeah. that having a boston accent would make you no not i know perfect. what you're saying but like it's they're, just they're everything about the neutrality them, everything is neutral yeah. everything is neutral yeah yeah Interesting. Huh. So I don't know where the hell this guy <laughs> picked this up. Maybe- All right. <laughs> I can't even attempt to do what I've Chapter like, two. It's, it was kind of ridiculous. I kind of flunked it though. Tell me that you got that. That's, got the, only way, that, yeah. that's the only way I can get to it is Jimmy Fallon's Boston character from SNL. <laughs> oh my God. Tell me you got that. Yeah, that's right. That's so funny. Those are good clips to look up. Those are great clips. Everyone look up those clips of the the Boston teens from SNL. Yeah, we've been mutually watching a lot of SNL clips and like sending them to each other. That's a good one to get into. Shout out to Beck Bennett. We love Beck Bennett. We love Beck Bennett. Who knew? We found out in the last couple of days. Smells like regular lamps to me. (laughs) It's going to look like a Cuisinart in here. It's my favorite. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So, um, okay. So, like I said, the girls felt like it was pretty okay, basically. Like, they were playing with the ghosts. Something that Andrea said was that the ghosts even tucked them in and gave them kisses on the forehead at night. Okay. Um, But then after a little while, things started kind of taking a turn for the nasty. So, the youngest daughter, Cindy, ran into bed with Andrea, who was the oldest. So, Cindy, youngest, Andrea, oldest, they had a decent age gap. Ran into bed because she was upset and scared. And so that she heard a bunch of voices all together, like a chorus of people say, there are seven dead soldiers buried in the wall. Oh. Yeah. And I should mention, too, this farmhouse was 
very, very old. I think they said that it was built in like the mid 1700s. So it had been around for a lot of history and a lot of war and things like that. So very scary, obviously. Um, the family started waking up to the overwhelming smell of rotting flesh at 5.15 every morning. That nice. became like their alarm clock. Not great. Their bed started rising from the floor here and there. All very scary stuff. They avoided going into the dirt floor cellar that they had. And I said, is that where the dirt piles came from in the kitchen? Oh, they, they had a store up. of dirt already in the house that you could just like bring right up there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the dad had to go down there kind of frequently because the heating equipment that was in the cellar would stop working mysteriously. And I wrote in my notes, or could it not be that mysterious? And it's just like a very old far- farmhouse that was built in the 1700s, yeah. but whatever he is. Um, and he said when he went down there, he would feel a, quote, cold, stinking presence behind him. Ugh, yeah. A stinking presence. I know. Cold and stinking, I think, are scarier together. Yeah. Because not to be gross as usual, I feel like you usually think about, like, a hot stink. Well, hot because, like, it implies yeah. like, some level of, like, decomposition or right, something. Right, exactly. The idea of a cold, stinking presence is, like, creepy to me in a different way. The combination of those two ideas. It's cold and yet it smells. Yeah. Because also with smells, like, it's usually, like, oh, it's hot and that can sometimes bring about a smell or whatever. It's, like, doesn't feel possible. It's obviously possible. But they don't usually go together, which makes it – I right. like that quote. Yeah. Um, so because these things were happening – Carolyn, the mom, started doing research into the house and getting really, really into the history of things. And she found out that it had previously been in the ownership of the same family for eight generations until they moved into it. They're the first family that's not of this other family to live in it for years and years and years. Um, So since the 1700s, I guess. And then they moved in in 1970. So like 200 years, you know, potentially. Um, she also found out that there had been a bunch of strange deaths that had happened in the house or on the property over the years. A child had died in a nearby creek. There was a murder. Several people had hung themselves in different places on the property. So there were just a lot of like heavy deaths that were kind of associated. And it made sense to her because when they moved in, it seemed like the house was kind of notorious to their neighbors. Like they were kind of like, oh, you're moving into the farmhouse or whatever. Mm. And the neighbors had apparently said to them that they should leave the lights on at night. But they hadn't elaborated about that. I would be like a dog with a bone. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like I would not let my neighbors rest no. until they told me what they meant. It's always Why fascinating. people say things like that where they're like, yeah, my, you know, my husband said something about you know, another woman, whatever. I but, know that but, one like, of my husband's uncles was a serial killer, but that's really all I know yeah, about things it. things like that. I'm like, what do you mean you didn't find out more? Yeah. Like, it's not an option not to find out more. Absolutely not. I would not be able to rest. I would, would, would relentlessly be going like, yes. explain to explain me what yourself. you heard. I'm going to call your parents. <laughs> I'm going to, I got to, I got to know. I have to know. What do you mean? Leave the lights on at night. Yeah. Don't walk away from me. Yeah. I just moved into this humongous house. Like this is scary. What do you mean? Leave all the lights on. What are you cuckoo? What are you cuckoo? Tell me the story. So she learned a little bit about the story on her own. And I want to give um, just a little bit of warning. It's a little bit um, graphic, upsetting stuff having to do with a baby, ba- uh, baby death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so she learned about in her research a woman named Bathsheba Sherman. So I know that Bathsheba is kind of like the lead bad guy in the Conjuring movie. 
Um, she was somebody who lived there in the mid 1800s. So there were rumors that Bathsheba was a Satanist and that she had been involved in the death of an infant. And it, I guess it wasn't totally clear through records whether it was um, like the, the child of a neighbor or of another family member or whatever. But there was apparently an infant that was left in her care for a little while that died. And then investigators found the cause to be the baby having been stabbed through the skull with a knitting needle. So this led to rumors that that was a sacrifice to the devil that Bathsheba made. And there was an investigation, but there wasn't enough evidence to hold a trial and actually, you know, like have Bathsheba held accountable. But public opinion is a different thing. And people really thought that Bathsheba did this. It seemed like she did. And because of that, she pretty much kept herself on the farm because it seems like the townspeople like isolated her. Yeah. We're not about Bathsheba where she had her own child or children. I found both. I'm not sure. So the townspeople were aware of reports of wrongdoing or no, they weren't a pair of any reports of wrongdoing to her child or children, but reports of mistreating her staff. I looked into it. Like, I just think it's interesting how people talk about this stuff and not to get into a whole thing, but I was like, does staff mean slaves? I know. So I was also just, just kind of wondering, like, the context of town, townspeople hearing this, but not acting on it on, in any way or doing anything like that. And so I Googled stuff about slavery in the 1800s in Rhode Island. And it turns out Rhode Island, like, has a horrendous history with slavery. That was just kind of like, it was just weird happenstance i'm looking at rhode island slavery but um in the mid 1800s they had a larger slave to non-slave population than any other state in the north despite passing america's first anti-slavery statute in 1652 but then basically ignoring it because of loopholes it's just kind of interesting i thought i would mention it because i was curious about the townspeople hearing this and not doing anything yeah and it's obviously because like not that anybody who had slaves was regarding them super highly, but they obviously, Rhode Island has a very particular history with slaves. That's crazy. I did not know that. It's like a weird loophole thing. You know, I, I can't explain it now. Sure. I don't remember. Yeah. I could have when I looked it up, but it's interesting if you're interested in that sort of thing. I just clocked it. Cause like when I went to, um, Charleston, like years ago with Ryan, we did this, um, this house tour and they kept talking about footmen during the tour. They were talking about, like the procedure for dinner in this house. It was like a mansion. And they were like, yeah, there was a system where the woman of the house had different um, finger symbols that showed the footmen who'd be waiting around the room what to do. So she lifted what? her pinky. It means refresh everybody's drinks. If she lifted her ring finger, it means like get more rolls or whatever. Oh, my God. And so I was listening to this and like I really was not even trying to be inflammatory, although that'd be fine. But I just wasn't. I was just like, they keep saying footmen. What the hell is that? I was like, Does that means slaves. So then when it was time for questions, I was like, are footmen slaves? And the guy was like, uh, 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 yes, yes, they are. Wow. And I was uh, like, quite frankly, listen, we've all got a, a horrific oh, totally. history with yeah, slavery. Of course. Yeah. Shying away from it, I know, is, it so... is, is less helpful. Yes. <laughs> than, than confronting it. Yeah. It's so weird. And, and just acknowledging like it as part of the legacy. It, quite literally. But I know. I was just like, they can't. Footmen can't be slaves. Why would they footmen, say that? It, like it covers up, right? Like some of the ugliness that I think is like important to acknowledge. Of course, yeah. I was kind of shocked. I kind of half expected him to be like, "Oh no, it's a term for whatever." Because just like he can't be not saying no. slaves. Yeah, she had a thing where everyone has to watch her hands. Yeah, everyone that that she's got doing stuff for her has to stare at her hands all the time right. in case she raises her pinky. Right. That doesn't sound like she's like. Yeah. paying the staff or something totally yeah. it, just, it was just such a weird word that i'm not used to hearing in like 
American yeah, context. I was like, footmen. Yeah. So weird. So I don't know. I just have a curiosity about when, like, during this time period, people are like, yeah, the staff. I'm like, is that staff? Yeah. Yeah. Let's think of, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, right. I don't think so. When you say staff. Yeah. You mean slaves and you don't want to say it. Yeah. Like, so anyway, so she had a reputation for treating likely her slaves poorly and people were just aware of it, but didn't really do anything about it. But apparently she was like physically and mentally abusive to them as far as like starvation as punishment. Mm. So like still like not a nice person, obviously a terrible person. But even so, even with all that, the witch rumors kind of died down over time. I guess they thought that she was just like a tough cookie, but not a witch necessarily until she died at the age of 73 at home and the doctor said that she had quote turned to stone and he was referring to kind of a weird case of paralysis okay. but he used the phrase i guess turned to stone which kicked back up rumors of her being a witch we were like okay this makes sense she turned to stone that must mean that she had to deal with the devil for beauty all her life and the price was that oh when she God. died she would be turned to stone in her death because I guess the devil's just like a merry prankster who just wants people to turn to stone. Well, it's 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 uh, it's the classic uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. monkey's paw, sort of like you'll get what you want, or yeah. like a reversal of a of your wish. Yeah, a little bit of a Dorian Gray thing. Like you can be beautiful, but you're gonna be like real messed up in death. Yeah, <laughs> like it's it's all gonna come home to roost. You're gonna lose all moisture because <laughs> moisture is the key to beauty. Moisture is the essence of wetness. Yes, and and wetness is the essence of beauty, as, as we, we all know. know. Um, so if you take that all the way, the lack of beauty is a lack of moisture, you turn to stone. Turn to stone. Mm -hmm. So Carolyn read all of this, and she kind of felt like it made sense, and she felt like Bathsheba in particular was tormenting her, because she thought that she was hiding things from her, making her feel like she was going nuts, kind of just like tormenting her in that way, and draining her energy. Carolyn had a wound that made it look like it, she was stabbed in the leg with a knitting needle, Ooh. which was Bathsheba's, uh, you know, supposed weapon, weapon of, of choice. choice. Lorraine Warren said that that may have been her weapon of choice, as I wrote, um, in life as in death. So she was still kind of like doing stuff in that way. And then on the other hand, maybe because – so I didn't find a lot about Bathsheba's like romantic life. But I guess if we're going with the myth that Bathsheba wanted beauty so badly in exchange for you know turning to stone, maybe she wants that beauty because she's like maybe a, a feminine galax to turn on the charm or whatever. So on the other hand, Roger received innuendos and caresses from Bathsheba. Whoa. Um, but like kind of through Carolyn. I guess Carolyn would kind of like be turning it on in a way that's like not normal to Carolyn and they're like, oh, I think Bathsheba's like up to no good or something. <laughs> Using like 1800s moves. <laughs> Pulling up just like a little bit of her pants <laughs> to show some angle. Yeah, exactly. And Roger's just like, what? What is happening? Yeah. <laughs> just caressing like his elbow because she thinks that's like the height of sensuality. He's just like, ugh. Carolyn, are you okay? <laughs> yeah. You feel okay? You don't seem fine. <laughs> Call me Bathsheba. <laughs> no. I won't. <laughs> Refuse. So on San Antonio Living, my new favorite talk show, <laughs> um, Andrea said that her mom started changing kind of dramatically around this period, um, but slowly. Like, she changed a lot, but it wasn't like night and day, basically. She said that she started wearing vintage clothing. And my question is, Bathsheba lived in like the 1800s. If we're going off the thing that like Bathsheba's kind of inheriting her, like did Bathsheba just really like the, you know, maybe 50s or whatever yeah, in the vintage, 70s? Vintage clothing vintage in the talking? 70s. Yeah, exactly. But far be it from me. Um, and using weird archaic language that she had never used before, like the word yeoman. 
And what Andrea said was, you know, referring to the men folk in town, which I would argue is still a weird way to say men. <laughs> yeah, the men folk. <laughs> she was like, she's using archaic language like yeoman, you know, to describe the men folk in town. And I was like, that's the normal way to describe that. Okay. That's funny. <laughs> I know. The men folk. The men folk. Time just time makes fools of us all. I mean, this. She's trying to talk about how her mom said something that was so untimely and bizarre. This is from 2014. Yeah, I know, but she's not from 2014. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. The phrase "men folk" got baked in. Yeah, she was the oldest daughter in this story in 1971. Yes, fair enough. Cut her a break. Yeah, but like, does mom use the phrase "men folk"? No. You know what I mean? I think sh- they were about the same age. Men folk. If, can you hear mom saying it? I don't think so. No, nah, I can't really hear anyone saying it. No. All right, I take it back. Let's not be fair to- It's all weird. To, to Andrea Perrin? <laughs> yes, Andrea okay. Perrin. Who I do like, but I was just like, if we're talking about weird ways to refer to men, I don't think calling them men folk is- I actually have a weird quote from her later. Okay. <laughs> I mean- I like her. There's a lot of weird stuff. Um, so they felt like their mom was kind of slipping away. She was just like so immersed in this like world of the house and obsessed with the history of it and everything. And Andrea said that she kind of had to step up as a mother figure because they just felt like she was a little bit tuned out. Wow. So this is when the Warrens stepped in. A family friend of the parents called the Warrens to come out to the house and see what was up. And they came out a number of times over about a period of a year and a half, Andrea said. And their last visit was when they had a seance where Carolyn started speaking in tongues her chair levitated and she was thrown across the room. Wow. And so when this happened, they say that Roger got super pissed and he was just like, I, I don't like this. Like, I'm worried about my wife's well-being that we're like, cause this, this was a new event. There had been nothing about this before. And he's like, something else got opened up and brought in, which is what we're Andrea provoking. also said. Yeah. And he was like, we're done with you guys. We're done. So they left and they continued to live there in the house. Like they wanted to move apparently, but they didn't really have money to sell the farm and get another place. They lived in the house. Um, and Andrea felt that whatever was let in that night that they had the seance, even though it was really scary, maybe it was such a powerful force that it kind of like bullied and subdued the other forces in the house. There wasn't as much regular kind of ghosty activity going on on a daily basis, but the mother wasn't doing well physically. She started to get skinnier and skinnier, she said, and kind of wasting away. Oh. So I think the idea is that maybe whatever came in during the seance decided to kind of like prey on Carolyn, but also kind of somehow silence the other ghosts that were more benign to begin with into not doing so much stuff. So there wasn't like big bombastic scary things going on, but Carolyn just seemed to not be doing well until something changed. So Andrea in the interview interview describes one night that her mother said that she was in the dining room and that a full family materialized in front of Carolyn's eyes. Um, and they, it was a family who was like eating at the table and Carolyn saw the father, you know, supposedly nudge another member of the family and point at Carolyn, the mother. And that moment, Carolyn realized that she was the ghost to them. Oh. So this is like people from another dimension who are now seeing her. Whoa. And this is when Andrea says her mother realized that they were, quote, living in a portal cleverly disguised as a farmhouse. And that's when she fought her way back to us. Wow. I So again, I had never researched this before. I barely remember the Conjuring movie. I was not expecting that at all. And I also only found it in that interview. So maybe that's in, I'm sure it's in her books, but it wasn't in any roundup of like 
the real story of the Conjuring yeah. House. Like never. That's fascinating. So that, I was that very surprised. Like a to chill hear that. up my spine. I That's know. really interesting. I know. I had never heard that in connection with this before, and I love that idea. That is such a cool idea. I love that. That like you're the ghost to somebody else. That they're like, oh my god, did you see that? Well, that's been it's been done yes. in films and stuff. But yeah, but I love it. Yeah, yeah. That's it's really awesome. interesting. That's also kind of like The Shining a mm-hmm. little bit. Like you've always been here. Right. Like everyone just resides in that house simultaneously. Exactly. They're just layers upon layers. And there is something just about the the phrase about it's a clever it's a living in a portal cleverly disguised as a farmhouse like a big farmhouse is a really good setting for a portal that. like that yep. it just it conjures <laughs> conjures a lot of stuff sure even the idea of like those it, it wasn't a family of ghosts sitting around a table mm-hmm. eating yeah ghosts don't eat right it was a but family were... sitting around a table eating mm-hmm. but she was seeing them mm-hmm. through an, like the the veil yes. that that separates multiple dimensions right exactly. It's super cool. A ghost going like, oh my God, do you see that? Yeah. To oh. you? Yeah. And you're like, I'm the normal one. What are you kidding yeah, me? Yeah. You're the freak. Yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm real. Yeah. How and that would be so scary. Yes. But I guess something that it jolted her. Yeah. If we saw someone suddenly that, standing William. over there and then we looked at them and then they were, and then they just went, I'm real. Yeah. How yeah. scary would that be? I don't know. Pointing at themselves. <laughs> I'm, I'm real. I'm real. Yeah. And then we just can't see them again. The moment has passed. The planets went out of alignment. We can't see them anymore right after that moment. You're just like, there's another reality where this yeah. house exists. Right. Someone else lives in it at the same time as us. Totally. Right now. Totally. Mind-blowing to think about. <sighs> That's like, I mean, I can't remember who said it. It's probably a common thing. But the idea of like, you know, there have been – our population is huge. There would have to be like, if ghosts are a thing – and like, I guess this is if there was a theory that like all ghosts are all together all the time, whatever, because there was a theory of different universes sure. and people being able to come in different times. But like the idea that like this room must be packed shoulder to shoulder. I know. With ghosts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've always thought that. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So the mom started doing better and better, basically. And they eventually got money up to move and they moved to a new, she wanted to make a point, farm in Georgia. She said it had been built in like the last 20 years. They didn't want to move to another like super old place. Um, and the haunting of the Perrin family pretty much stopped until Lorraine Warren called a couple of years into them living there. Um, Andrea said she didn't know how she got their phone number or whatever, but she called them at the Georgia house and she spoke to Carolyn and asked if she could write about their story. And Carolyn said no. Like, they just wanted to leave it in the past. They don't want it to be a public thing. She said yeah. no. And Lorraine kept, like, being like, but please, it would, you know, it'd be good for other people to read or whatever. And Carolyn finally said, let me talk to Roger about it. He's not home right now and I'll get back to you. So then the next day, um, or maybe even that night. Yeah, that night. I'm sorry. Um, Roger still wasn't home yet. Um, a big door in the house fell on Carolyn. Oh. And dislocated her shoulder. And it made her think that there's something out there that doesn't want this story told in this way and called Lorraine the next day and said, it's a no go. Told her what happened is like, no, don't write about this story. Wow. It's not happening. But then 30 years later, Andrea decided that she wanted to write this story. Her mom and everybody were on board with it. On San Antonio Living, she said that she felt like the, um, I don't even know if she used these words, but basically like the consciousness of the world has changed a little bit and people are a little bit more accepting of ideas like this. So it was the right time to yeah. go public with the story. And that's when she wrote House of Darkness, House of Light in 2011. And they named it that because she said that they had really wonderful times in that house. Like it wasn't all negative and scary. They also had just normal good family times. But also it was a really 
like enlightening, liberating experience going through all of that, even when it was scary, because she said she still doesn't understand all of it. But she said seeing it with her own eyes showed her that there is life after death and kind of it, it liberated her to live yeah. fully and not be afraid of death. Wow. So there's a lot of light to the story for her. Interesting. Mm-hmm. That's and very interesting. Like I said, she said that during the writing of that, Hollywood came a call. And I don't know how any of that would have worked, but it seems like The Conjuring was kind of inspired by House of Darkness, House of Light. Wow. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah. Man. I know. That's wild. Right? Yeah. So yeah. take her away. Okay. Well, she- I can I can kind of pick up exactly where you left off Perfect. in a weird way. Yeah. I don't have this part in my notes, but Mm -hmm. I remember it from looking it up. So there was an idea to do this movie for a long time. As you said, the movie came out in 2013. Mm -hmm. You said that her book came out when? 2011? 2011. 2011. So that does line up neatly, except Mm -hmm. I know that one of the producers of the movie had been trying to get it made for over a decade. Okay. After Ed and Lorraine Warren, or just Ed, or just Lorraine, I'm Mm -hmm. not sure, played this producer a tape of oh. one of their recordings of Carolyn Perone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so from that moment on, this producer kept trying to get the movie made. Maybe it was made more easy when this book came maybe, out about it. Maybe, because maybe raised... there were like rights to buy. That would be a little bit smoother or something. Yeah, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. But either way, The Conjuring did come out in 2013. It's directed by James Wan, mm-hmm. who uh, uh, rose to prominence from the Saw franchise. He's one of the creators of Saw. Uh, and did Dead Silence, did Insidious, uh, and then he worked on this movie, which was written by Chad Hayes and Carrie W. Hayes, who I mm-hmm. believe are, are siblings. Mm-hmm. Hey, um, like the Rogers twins. Yeah, how about that? How about that? Um, spooky Sibs. Yeah, Spooky Sibs. Um, and Lorraine Warren and Andrea Perrin uh, served as consultants mm-hmm. uh, to the director and screenwriters. Andrea Perrin loves James Wan. Is that right? Yes. Oh, cool. I love mm-hmm. James Wan. I do, too. Join the club. Uh, they claim the movie is accurate to the real story of what happened during the 10 years um, that they were in that house. Uh, but I also have this note here. Uh, when the Perrins visited the set in North Carolina, they felt a cool wind whip throughout the set that didn't seem to shake the trees. Hmm. Uh-oh. This is... Maybe a bit of a spirit followed them? Uh, well, that's the what they're of, saying. The right? spirit of fun, I think yeah. it might be. <laughs> Making fun. I think this harkens back to like... Wait, who said that? Uh, one of the parents. Okay, probably yeah. Andrea Perrin. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't know. I'm not sure. But uh, this, I think, is just more in keeping with the long tradition of saying that something spooky happened on the set of a horror film. Yeah. Um, and obviously, The Conjuring itself as a movie and as a franchise is sort of a throwback. Bra- throw <laughs> <laughs> sort of a throwback to uh, horror films from the yeah. 70s. Mm-hmm. I think James Wan, because it was a period piece and because it was actually just sort of unconventional for the 2010s, yeah. shot it with like, you know, like... The camera is like, you know, a hundred feet away from the thing he's filming and there's a slow zoom in on it. Oh, okay. It's filmed with a lot Man, of... Man, I don't remember it like at all. Oh, it's filmed... I yeah. love the way it's filmed. It's yeah. filmed with a lot of like throwback style. That's cool. Uh, even the the typography of the logo for The Conjuring feels mm-hmm. very much like The Exorcist. Yes. Yeah. Um, the, the, the sort of like presentation of it I find really, really appealing. Yeah. I kept getting it mixed up in my mind with that Ethan Hawke movie. Um, oh, you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. Uh, there, there were about there were several movies that were the same movie at, yes. around this time. You're thinking of Sinister. Yes, that is what I'm thinking of. Yeah, he yeah. moves into a house and mm-hmm. there's a, a bagul mm-hmm. who's been in the house yes. the whole time. Yep. Uh, then of course, Insidious is about a family, right? With Patrick Wilson, I know from The Conjuring. He's part of the one 
players. Yep. There's mm-hmm. a, a, a monster bride mm-hmm. in The Conjuring. There's a monster nun. Yeah. Uh, the monster bride in Insidious is played by the same actor who plays Bathsheba in The Conjuring. Oh, really? There's just a lot of DNA yes. of these movies that's all the same. I think several of them have, um, not James Gandolfini. Who is the guy from that Stanley Kubrick movie, Full Metal Jacket? Oh, um, something, three names, right? Yeah. Um, Ryan Spader Dunkless or something. I think it's Ryan Spader Dunkless. <laughs> I can't remember his name. Anyway. Yeah. Allie hates him. I do too. Oh, okay. Um, he's the guy who's also in the, um, what's it called? Leatherface remake. What's that called? Called Leatherface remake. Uh, Texas, t- the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake from like a few years ago. He is? Yeah, isn't he like the disgusting sheriff or whatever? Oh, you're thinking of Arlie Ermy. That is who I'm thinking of. No, no, no. Of. I'm okay. talking about uh, uh, Private Poyle or Doyle or Pyle from that movie. <laughs> I obviously <laughs> don't know. Again, three names. I have no idea yeah. if any of them are correct. Right. But anyway, I think there are multiple movies where he appears over Skype to be like, mm, yes, it's a, it's a bagul you've got. Yeah. It's it's this called, is making me want to watch these. It's called Kartuski. <laughs> and the the ancient Babylonians thought it's like on a weekend he filmed like five movies yeah, yeah, where yeah. he's the guy that has all the info over Skype. I love that. This is th- all this appeals to me. Uh, uh, uh. Uh. Well more behind the scenes haunting stuff from the conjuring. Yeah. When the Hayes brothers and Lorraine Warren would chat on the phone about the script, they kept getting cut off by weird sounds and a lot of static. Then out of nowhere. The line would go dead. Oh, my God. Haunting? Or do they just have AT&T? <laughs> oh, my God, Will. <laughs> Boost Mobile fails them again. <laughs> James Wan had just adopted a new puppy when he was working on the script, and he said that oh, he God. was working on it, and the puppy would look off in the corner where there was nothing okay. and start growling mm. and then track something moving across the room. That is freaky. Follow it with its eyes. <laughs> yeah. James Wan could see nothing. <laughs> that is unsettling when they do stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, uh, some weird things, uh, that are different from the movie. The Warrens were kicked out, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe actually, uh, the father of the, the Perrin family, Roger? Yep. Punched Ed Warren in the face. Oh, man. And the movie, they're, Uh-oh. they're accepted with open arms. And even. Well, I guess they made amends later. Yeah. Get that cheddar. Ed Warren and Roger Perrin repair a car together. I don't know what's going on. In the movie... <laughs> they're best friends. In the movie, Ed and Lorraine Warren spend a lot of time at the house, and there's, there's a scene where they're, like, doing laundry for the family. Uh-huh. And wow. then Ed is, like, just, like... There's, like, a busted old car. they're just, car. like, good people? They're just is good that kind people. Of thing? Yeah. They're just great people, yeah. Kristen. Good, wholesome folk. There's a moment where they're like, where's Ed? And they look over, and there's, like, a car that's clearly not going to run. It's, yeah. like, a, 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 an old car that's, like, rusted... And like it, it may as well not even have wheels on it. Like right. he's busted, and he's like got the hood up, and he's tinkering <laughs> with stuff. And then Roger comes over and he's like, "Ed, can I give you a hand?" He's like, "Yeah, can you hold the carburetor?" And I'm like, "This, what is happening right now? Do the investigation." Yeah, well, you're not their friends. Is it boring? Is there a lot of stuff like this in it? Because the fact that you've told me about two chores that they're doing makes me concerned that this movie isn't as good as I remember. Uh, not that I hold it in the highest regard, but I remember it being good. I I liked it. Yeah. Okay. I liked it, but with a big fat asterisk. Sure. I do not understand why Ed and Lorraine Warren are hanging sheets. That's weird. Outside the house. It sets up a decent scare, which I'll get into. I was about to say, did like a sheet blow into like a scary 
shape or something like that. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yes, it's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, they've already isolated that there is a, a spooky old ghosty, but Ed and Lorraine Warren are doing laundry uh-huh. for the parents. Right. Because they got all those kids. That's crazy. <laughs> that is crazy. It's just crazy. They're very accommodating people. And Lorraine Warren goes to like pull a pin to let a sheet off yeah. the line. And then it, the, a, a wind is brewing. A storm is brewing. And the sheet gets ripped off the line and starts to billow away. But then it catches around the form of a human. That's super cool. And then it boom, moves yeah. again. And it billows up to the side of the house and slams against the window and slides off. And in the window now is the form of Bathsheba. Ooh. So it was right behind Lorraine, uh-huh. invisible. The sheet carries it up to the window. Yeah. So it like travels up to the window with the that, sheet, with the that's wind. That's super cool. And then it's inside the house and Lorraine's like, get out of there! And goes yeah. running. And it's great. That's like a magician-y trick. You know yes. what I mean? How to like slam something and it like seems to go through something solid that it wouldn't be able to penetrate. It's, like that. it's interesting because they, again, they suggest some element of practicality to mm-hmm. the proceedings, which I find very, very, very appealing. Yeah. Even though the setup requires Lorraine Warren to be doing the parents' <laughs> laundry. You know what? Whatever gets us there. Just needed an excuse. Exactly. They just needed an excuse for her to be standing there. Yeah. She couldn't have been talking to anyone? Yeah, just talking in the backyard where there's existing laundry on a line. Don't know what's... I guess somebody's got to let it fly. Someone's got to let it fly. I don't know. Mm. I do not know. Um, in the movie, Annabelle the Doll is mm-hmm. the cold open. Yeah. Uh, so I just want to point out I that... I remember that at all. Yeah, oh, yeah. Annabelle the Doll is a significant part of the movie. At one point, Bathsheba gains control of it. By the way... In The Conjuring? Yes. By the way... <laughs> Spoilers for The Conjuring? Did we already say that we were going to do that? I'm going to spoil. I've already spoiled The Conjuring and I will not stop. Yeah. Try to stop me. (laughs) Anyway, Annabelle is the cold open of this movie. Okay. Uh, uh, it's it's weird. Anyway, there are these nurses that are talking to Ed and Lorraine Warren about how the doll is possessed and they're like, spirits don't possess dolls, okay? They're probably manipulating the doll to make it seem as if it's possessed. I'm like, that's very close to the same thing. Yeah. Well, I remember talking about that in the Annabelle episode, and it's it, I think it's a cool distinction. It's a cool distinction. Yeah. But they're like, yeah, no, this spirit had said that it liked the doll. So we said, well, you can go into the doll if you want. Yeah, yes. Now, we know in real life that Annabelle the doll is a Raggedy Ann doll. Right. In the movie universe, mm-hmm. they've created this Annabelle doll that I think has become pretty iconic. Yes, I think people would be surprised if they didn't already know already that that's not what the doll looks like at yes. all. Yes, and it's like a spooky porcelain doll yeah. thing with like a gray face and yeah. rouged cheeks. <laughs> the implication of the cold open is that these nursing students... Like wanted this doll? Already owned the doll. I assumed it was found. Right. <laughs> it looks all busted. Weird. I don't know why... They no, have why would you want that in your home? Dirty old doll yeah. already. That they love and they, they invite a spirit into. They love it. Yeah. But yeah, later in the movie, Bathsheba yeah. will go to Ed and Lorraine Warren's house okay. to try to catch their daughter. Okay. And it sits in a rocking chair with Annabelle on its lap. And Annabelle turns its head. How did Annabelle get there? Annabelle's in the museum. It's a, it's in their house. Oh, oh, okay. I thought you were saying at the parents' house, Bathsheba right. was there with Annabelle the doll. No, 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 I, oh, no, no. I gotcha. Okay. Bathsheba goes to Ed and Lorraine Warren's okay, I gotcha. house to sure. get their daughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For just for a minute before we get back to the. <laughs> yeah. It's so weird. It has nothing to do with anything. They just get. They, they just needed to scare. Yeah, totally. Viewers beware. <laughs> um. Okay. Stuff from the uh the the movie that differs from uh real life, mm-hmm. or just stuff from the movie. Yeah, sure. This first one. 
it appears to have happened in real life. You said that they woke up and they smelled something yeah. awful. Yes. Oh, is that what you were remarking on at the beginning? Yes. Yep. So two of the girls sleep in the same bedroom, mm-hmm. which I find very like appealing for a horror setup because yes, totally. like one of them can experience something and be like, oh my God, did you see that? Right. Uh, and it feels very, in the movie, it feels very much like The Haunting of Hill House, mm-hmm. which obviously came later yeah. on Netflix. So maybe The Haunting of Hill House was echoing back to this. Yeah. Or just echoing haunted house stories. Could be. You know yeah. what I mean? But it was it was great. Yeah. Very frightening uh, setups. But uh, so one of the girls goes, stop farting. It really stinks. And the other one goes, don't blame that on me, which is just like a really good rebuttal. Don't blame that on me. Like, really? And also, you're the only two in there, so you're just saying it was you. Not? No, I yeah. didn't. Yeah. Don't blame that on me. Don't blame that on me. Really long. Yeah. Really long rebuttal. Taking the long road. It's so weird. Um, I found out that the movie was given an R rating, mm-hmm. though it contains no like graphic violence. It's relatively bloodless. There's not a lot of profanity. There's no nudity or any of the typical stuff you'd point to to be like, yeah. give that an R rating. The MPAA's reasoning... Too damn spooky. Yeah, Andrea intense. Perrin mentioned that in the interview. So scary. Mm-hmm. Got to give it an it's R. An R. They yeah. said there's nothing you could cut to give this a PG-13. Mm-hmm. It's pretty sweet. Uh, Carolyn Perrin, uh, over the course of the movie, it happens early on. Mm-hmm. Roger goes like, "You've got another bruise on your back." She increasingly gets covered in like mystery bruises, mm-hmm. which is all sort of foreshadowing of what's happening to her with Bathsheba. Yeah. Uh, the youngest daughter has an imaginary friend named Rory. Mm-hmm. He appears in a spooky music box. If you turn the crank, there's a little a, a little mirror. You open the top, there's a little mirror, and you turn the crank. And when the song stops, he'll appear behind you. Okay. And Ooh, it is used to yeah. wonderful effect. Yeah. Uh, 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 Lorraine Warren does it later in the movie. And they zoom in on the the mirror that's like rotating. I can picture. I feel like that's a popular still from the movie if you like Google things. Yeah. yeah. There's like a little pilgrim boy. Yeah. <laughs> Also, just that music box sound is so creepy. That's like a perfect combination. Uh huh. Oh, they they picked like they've got like a great little ditty that yeah. the band plays. Yeah. It's real spooky. It's a good little spooky horror movie song. Yeah. Uh, and man, after I saw that Pilgrim boy, <laughs> oh, you were quaking in your buckled shoes. I'll bet I had a you were dressed like a baker. <laughs> you were dressed like a, a Pilgrim boy yourself, right? Yeah, I was quakering in my boots. <laughs> <laughs> Scared me so bad the the buckle on my hat popped open, <laughs> popped right off. <laughs> my tri corner hat flew right back. <laughs> um, the first things that really happen in the movie are just sort of like weird, unsettling things. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're huge. Yeah, but they're like- huge things. But it's like it's not on the same level as like humans like being thrown across rooms yeah. or something like that. Dog is killed. Okay, almost immediately. Not good. I've turned a corner. Mm-hmm. There's there's a website called Does the Dog Die uh-huh. that uh, a lot of people go to, to to be like, I don't know if I want to watch this movie. Is the dog going to die? Is the dog going to die? Yeah, yeah. Our dog Molly barks at the TV whenever yes. there's an animal on it. We've had her for six and a half years. Yeah, I used so- to be the kind of person that like when an animal died in a movie, it would hurt way worse than a human dying. Totally. I've turned a corner. Yeah, if right. I see a dog in a movie, I'm like, 
Get that thing out of this movie ASAP before Molly notices. Get right. that thing out of the movie. I don't care how. By whatever means necessary. Get You're going to does the dog die hoping. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's not going to get killed like, in please? real life. Yeah. I can separate fact from fiction now. Right. Get that dog out of the film. This totally. movie, The Conjuring, to its credit. Instant. That dog is in like one scene. You must have been in heaven. I was in heaven. In ecstasy to see this dog <laughs> it's die. It's dead. Yeah. I, was oh. so, I was dancing. <laughs> oh, what a night. <laughs> So excited. <laughs> uh, bird smashes against the side of the house. Classic. And then there's Scary. This, there's, a, there's a game they play in the movie mm-hmm. called Hide and Clap. Oh, yeah. I remember this. Kind of. Not yeah. a real game. No. Made up for the purposes of the movie. Yeah. But it's wonderful. Right. I remember that being a really cool, creepy scene. Yes. You put on a blindfold and then people go to hide. Mm-hmm. And then you stumble around yeah. your old 200-year-old house with creaking floorboards that you just moved into and you don't know the layout right? like the back of your hand. You walk right. around that place wearing a blindfold. Sure. And with w- stairs, I'd imagine. Oh, yes. And when you can't find people right away, <laughs> you ask them to clap. You go like, all right, first clap. And then they clap and you at least know what direction to go in. Yeah. The ghosts start playing. Yeah. And it is so good. That's really good. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't. I don't really know why the hell the ghosts are playing the game. Maybe they're Just, literally playing it for fun. That's true. I guess if you're going with the idea, like Andrea said, that they were actually like friends with the ghosts at first. Like maybe they were just playing for fun. Oh, but, that's interesting. That's a great. You know, point. maybe. Yeah, it, it, there is an implication that it was one of the children ghosts yeah. that is clapping. Yeah, because it comes from an armoire that later we'll find out mm-hmm. a ghost kid goes into yeah it's like the armor is in front of a hole in the wall that the ghost kid hides in yeah um but yeah then there's a moment where um the where carolyn perrin is looking down a long staircase and she's just got a match that's lighting everything Mm -hmm. and then i just remembered a pair of hands coming out of the darkness next to her and clap clapping next to her face but actually what happens is a voice goes wanna play hide and clap 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 and I kind of wish it was just the claps. Kind of wish it was just the claps. Yeah, to be quite honest, simpler. Yeah, but it's great. Yeah, it's still great. Uh, the movie says that bath. Also, wait, she's already playing hide and clap at this point, right? Uh, they do it a few times. Okay. At, this, at this moment, she's just scared. Okay. Yeah. I, all right. Um, the movie says that Bathsheba died by being hung from a spooky old tree. Mm-hmm. That's part of what was getting me mixed up between this movie and Sinister. Yeah. Because in Sinister, I know there are people who are hanging from trees. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. So I'm going to get into, here's what the story, what the movie yeah. uh, says Bathsheba's deal is. Cool. Because it differs from what happened in real life. Mm-hmm. Though some of it obviously overlaps. Bathsheba Sherman, born Bathsheba Thayer Mm -hmm. was born in 1812 and was claimed to have been related to Marytown Eastie, one of the many executed for witchcraft in the Salem witch trials of 1692. So Bathsheba is descended from witches. Mm -hmm. 51 years later, in 1863, Bathsheba married a rich farmer under the surname Sherman and gave birth to a child. When, When the child was seven days old, her husband caught her attempting to sacrifice her baby to the devil. Exposed, Bathsheba climbed to the top of a tree, proclaimed her love for Satan, and cursed all those who would take her land. Bathsheba then hung herself, committing suicide. Cause of death, 3.07 a.m. Mm. Now, you mentioned in the true history that at 5.15 a.m. Yeah. Spooky things would happen. Right. Spooky things happen on The Conjuring at 3.07 a.m. Okay. 
Bathsheba's spirit continued to reside on the land, haunting her former homestead. True to her curse, Bathsheba would haunt the families that move into her house. Bathsheba would torment the family continually and finally possess the family's mother to kill the children before forcing the mothers to commit suicide. The spirits of Bathsheba's victims continued to reside in the house along with her, living in constant fear of her curse. And that's a good story. It's a good story. Yeah. They turn it into like a sort of decent urban legend mm-hmm. kind of a thing. Yeah. And I believe there's a moment. It's neat and less sprawling than yeah. just that there have been generations of this family and then there are lots of kind of disparate deaths. Yeah. Like it's it's cleaner for a movie. And I actually meant to pay attention to this in the movie and I, 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 I yeah, I don't remember. I, I guess I didn't zone into the movie uh, well enough to, to catch this, but I've always been under the impression that. Bathsheba, the plot of land the parent house is on mm-hmm. is Bathsheba's land. But right. back in those days, Bathsheba's plot of land was huge. Mm-hmm. It was like 12, the equivalent of 12 lots today just got yeah. divided up over time or something like that. And they're like, my God, this, so this plot of land was divided. Uh, uh, but where the, the parent house is, it's technically still Bathsheba's land. Uh-huh. And it, it always made me think like, oh, so are the other plots of land also dealing with Bathsheba hauntings? Yeah, yeah. Is there, does that ring a bell to you? Is there another story that does that? Yes, there is. Doesn't that ring a, a big, big, big bell? I think it – could it be sinister? Seriously. I mean, honestly, saying that it might be sinister makes me think it might just be this and I didn't catch it. I know. I'm not sure. But no, that rings a huge bell. It's such a good idea yes. for a ghost story to be like, yeah, it was on Bathsheba's land. That's this house. And then go like – Whoa, no. Yeah. People used to own way more land than we do today. Right, exactly. So like all of this, like we, we would have to get very far away to not be on Bathsheba's land. Exactly. Further than you would think. I love that. Yeah, I that is a it. cool idea. Um, At one point, Bathsheba stupidly is crouched on top of that armoire. Okay, I can picture The kids walk in the room and then they zoom in on Bathsheba's face going like... <laughs> and Cat. she pounces off the top of the armoire, like on all fours on top of a kid. And it looks weird. Stupid. Yeah. We cut to Ed and Lorraine Warren. It sounds very like horror movie of a certain time. Yes. Yeah. Um, there's yes. like a pretty, there's a pretty like specific aesthetic associated with the conjuring and the universe and even some other like James Wan stuff. Yeah. And like, I feel like it, it sounds right. Like a, just an oddly broad moment for, a yeah, moment, for, right. for just like a quick second. Right. Uh, we cut to Ed. And Lorraine Warren were teaching a class about haunting? Mm-hmm. I mean, they did a lot of like lectures and things like that okay. about hauntings. Yeah. And paranormal stuff. Ed gives the rules of an infestation of a okay. possession of a haunting. Yeah. Again, I love the rules yes. of these things. Also, this played to me for a second very much like a scream moment. Like uh-huh. Randy would be yeah, giving yeah, a yeah. lecture about slashers. It all starts with infestation. There are essentially three steps. Infestation, oppression, possession. Mm. Infestation. That's when you hear those like whispers. Yeah. And it's, it's all small little things. You can convince yourself you're not really experiencing it. Oppression. The most emotionally weak person is endlessly tormented, essentially buttering them up for mm-hmm. possession. Uh, full on possession. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Ed and Lorraine Warren finally go to the house. Lorraine, there's kind of a cool thing where she's like walking around. They're telling stories of like things that they've experienced and she's just kind of observing. Mm-hmm. Then they do a weird thing where they flash back and she explains that the entire time she was walking through the house, she could see spirits. Like the pat. Okay. Yeah. And they literally flash back to uh-huh. like two it's minutes like two, ago. Yeah. Okay. A little weird. Yeah. That's kind a of cool. Strange. Yeah. Then Lorraine Warren goes out by a spooky old tree. Ed comes out to talk to her and you hear just the sound of a rope, you know, that creaking uh-huh. sound of like a. Heavy, yeah. Yeah. Heavy like rope. a squeak. Yeah. And she's like turning and looking terrified and Ed's like, what babe 
You're like, my don't life. You, don't you know the deal? What do you think? Babe, you're the light of yeah. my life. Yeah. And she, nasty old Bathsheba's toes are dangling yeah. right above his shoulder because he's standing Sick. where she hung herself. Yeah. That's kind of cool, too. That is. That sounds cool. Uh, there's a moment where Ed and Lorraine Warren are home. And he plays, he goes like, I recorded Carolyn, but her voice didn't show up on the tape. And he plays it, and it's just Ed's voice on the tape going like, so tell me about what happened when you moved in here. Yeah. Silence, silence, silence. Uh-huh. And what else? <laughs> just nothing there. And I was like, that's cool. But yeah. he just goes, he, he hits stop, and he's like, isn't that weird? What'd you find? I'm like, spend more time on that. Yeah. That's awesome. Do they go back to that at all or anything? <laughs> kind of. But I, they don't, they go back to it in a way that I think diminishes how cool and weird it is. Yeah. To record someone and not have their voice show up on the tape. Right. That's very, very interesting. Yes. Later, uh, like a few seconds later, a ghost turns on the recorder. And instead of the nothing we heard a moment ago, it's a, m- a bunch of voices wailing and speaking in Latin. And it's fine, yeah, but, but it's far less cool than yeah. like being like, there must be something wrong with the tape, because right. you have my half, but not her half. Sometimes just like mundane things are very scary. Yeah. Like adding more to it brings it into like a little bit of a realm of cartoonishness, even camp. just a little bit, mm-hmm. where it was scarier just as is. I leaned in when Ed was like, her voice isn't on the tape. I was yeah. like, oh, are we going to find out that like something's not obeying the, right. the laws of-, of- like, physics and yeah yeah whatever and like electronics can't pick everything right it's kind of cool uh they do a very charming 70s found footage thing for a little bit when ed and lorraine warren go back to the house they bring two assistants Uh uh-huh with them which is i think exactly exactly what happens in insidious okay there are two assistants in the insidious movies one of them is played by lee wanell who was james wan's partner who created saw with him yep uh uh and i'm just like Man, yeah, that is weird. Insidious, I've not seen. You haven't seen it at all? No. Really? I saw part of Insidious 2 where Patrick Wilson does a Jack Nicholson impression for a while. Oh, my God. I know I've seen Insidious. I literally couldn't tell you anything about it. That What you just said rings a bell, but I don't remember. I would gladly watch it. I would but I, I've always been under the impression that Insidious, Insidious 2, mm-hmm. The Conjuring, The Conjuring 2, Sinister. Um, are like all kind of the same movie. They're just the same movie. Yes. And they, they are all... Fun, yeah, but they're just all the same movie. They just keep making the same right. movie. Um, but yeah, so they go, they bring their assistants, and then they have a camera. Mm-hmm. They're like gonna film stuff. And Ed, it's very Blair Witch, but it's very sort of like refined Blair Witch, and it's like a period piece. Yeah, Ed has a tape recorder thing with a strap. He's got that over his shoulders, just hanging by his side. In his other hand, mm-hmm. wired to the tape recorder is one of those long, old, thin oh, microphones. Yeah, uh-huh. It looks like a shotgun mic. Yeah. It looks like a boom. Yep. But it's a handheld thing. He's the only one who has that. Mm-hmm. And when we go into this view, they go like into the basement to film this, all that we see is there's a spotlight. There's a light from the top of the camera. Yeah. Just a big flash bulb that's lighting the scene. Mm-hmm. So everything is light in the middle, and then the, the frame of the film fades to black on all other sides. And the audio we hear is implied to just be what Ed is holding. Yeah. So we That's can cool. hear him a little bit. Whenever Lorraine speaks, she sounds distant, even though she's standing right next to him in the frame. So it creates this sort of dissonance, this uncomfortability. Um, and it's all very, very uh, charming and makes me want a, a, a period piece 70s mm-hmm. found footage movie. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of found footage movies. Blair Witch is essentially the exception that proves the rule. I feel mm-hmm. like they really exceeded. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and they kind of sort of created the found footage thing. Yeah. But this movie, honestly, to me was like, man, go a little campier with it. Be a little right. playful with it and make it look good still. Like it's yeah. HD 70s footage somehow. Yeah. But it looks 
wonderful. That's I want awesome. Mama more. It was I, so good. I wonder if we're headed at all for a 70s kind of renaissance because the 80s, I think we are doing to death. Like it's, it's been done. You know what I mean? We have Stranger Things and it's so humongous. The new season of American Horror Story that's coming out is 80s slasher, which yeah. it just feels very done as far as horror goes. I wonder if we'll ever hit a 70s kind of time or even earlier. Cause now I think about it, like you think of 80s horror and kind of rightfully so. There's a lot of sweet, 80s horror but it would be cool to see more from other eras yeah you're right i wonder if we'll keep pushing back maybe i wonder um there's something that's talk about blair witch i Mm -hmm. mean blair witch came out in what 97 yeah 98 something like that something like that that movie was so uh astronomically huge and and paid attention to and controversial and Mm -hmm. interesting and you would think that would have been the start of the found footage craze. Right. But, that but you're right. It took a long time. It took a long time. It wasn't until like 2004, five when paranormal activity came out. Mm-hmm. Nobody wanted to touch it for a while. Cause I think you'd endlessly be compared right. to Blair Witch. Always be. Yeah. But then there were a bunch of found footage things in the, in the early two thousands. Yeah. I wonder if, you know, it still has only been six years since The Conjuring, mm-hmm. this movie, came out. Right. I wonder if people felt like, well, if we did that, we'd feel like a Conjuring It's always going to feel derivative of The Let's Conjuring. Let's wait for some time to pass and then let the 70s pop happen. Because Not this impossible. movie is very quintessentially, like, it's almost a love letter to 70s horror yeah. filmmaking. Yeah. Um, I could see that happening. I could see somebody doing something I like that. I wonder. I think 80s, like, lends itself so well to nostalgia because there's such, like, distinctive song dis- and distinctive looks to point to that you right. instantly know where you are. And maybe in the 70s you're a little bit wishy-washy yeah maybe so i wonder if that's why there isn't as much of a thing maybe but i'd be down for it it's very appealing yeah like this scene in the movie there as much as like i will complain about some things in this movie being a little precious mm-hmm. there are a lot of really uh incredibly well executed ideas yeah um even ideas that aren't executed well in the movie are just really engaging cool ideas. and fascinating yeah. and and like spooky there's yeah. a really great spooky vibe in this mm-hmm. movie and man Having uh, the characters be carrying this microphone that things sound a little distant in. But yeah, I like that kind shot. of change, too. Yeah, it was great. It wakes you up a little bit when movies do things like that. It was really, really great. Yeah. Um, I already told you about Lorraine doing laundry yep. for the parents. Yep, so that. I'll just m- move on. <laughs> um, I already told you that Bathsheba goes to Ed and Lorraine Warren's house. <laughs> Hitches a ride. Tries to get them. Yeah. Well, they have a daughter, um, so... The the movie ends mm-hmm. with essentially Carolyn being full on possessed and trying to murder her daughter with a pair of scissors. Uh huh. And then they tie her to a chair. She psychically controls a shotgun and tries to shoot Ed. Ed speaks Latin and tries to do. A, yeah, he like exercises her. Yeah, right? an exercise yeah. when he goes like he's basically like uh, abracadabra one two three. Now it's time to see what we see. Reveal yourself. Yeah. And this bag, uh, Lorraine wrapped Carolyn in a sheet. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And then when he says, Reveal yourself, the sheet rips open and you see Bathsheba's rubber face. Okay. Peeking out of them and it looks yeah. all weird. Yeah. Um, and then the only cool thing Sounds about like a it, lot. the only cool thing about it, all Bathsheba wants to do in Carolyn's body mm-hmm. is kill. A the kid. Kids. Yeah. The kid is hiding and no one knows where the kid is. So one of the inspectors is running around trying to find the kid. Finally, he finds out that she went through that hole in the wall and somehow got under the floorboards and she's under the floorboards in the kitchen. Uh huh. And so from Which upstairs. Which is right above the basement, right? From yeah, upstairs, yeah. he goes like, Oh my God, I found her. She's in the floor under the kitchen. And Bathsheba essentially like goes like, Oh, I know where she is. And immediately like crawls away just to get at her. And it's Ew, really. like leaves Carolyn's body it, to like go. No, 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 no. Oh, okay. Carolyn, Carolyn. gets away. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's just like, 
like it was like she got oh, like newly unsettling. motivated to be yeah. like oh like forget all of you you'll still try to impede me but i can just go there and kill her real quick great yeah. i know where she is right now tries oh. to skitter away and then ed and lorraine save the day by being like remember what you told me you love your daughter yeah and, and so bath. like carolyn triumphs over bathsheba or something like pukes bathsheba out yeah i picture that too with the conjuring that that thing is it upward like that or is that just in a haunting in connecticut oh god i've no, never it's, seen it's that it's downward it's a downward right. up chuck yeah all right i'm thinking of a, a north facing up chuck from a haunting in connecticut yeah, when that gross goo tree flies out of that boy's so face so gross yeah, that was in the trailer yeah i've never seen it i just know that that's a thing yeah um and then like the sun rises yeah you know on a new day it's yeah. a new time for the family yeah sure is <laughs> sure is so that's essentially the conjuring the movie yeah and uh, like they they uh, basically the idea is like they beefed it all up mm-hmm. they turned bathsheba into more of a direct uh uh like villain cause. with a motivation yeah there are other ghosts in the movie that'll be like she made me do it mm-hmm. so they start to sort of create this idea that bathsheba uh possesses the mother kills the kids yeah um, but let's get into some of like the the more recent mm-hmm. revelations. There are not many um, about the haunting of the parent house. Yeah. So I found an article in uh, the Providence Journal Online. I'll try to drop some of these things in the show notes if you want to check them out. I've got a couple links and a couple videos. Cool. Uh, there was an article in 2014 about Norma Sutcliffe, then owner of uh, this spooky old house. Mm-hmm. She's been digging into the real history of the house with a retired journalist named Kent Spotswood, saying, quote, there were no murders, no suicides. There's no reason a ghost would exist in this house. Hmm. Leave us alone. It's not real. Wow. She said the conjuring is ruining her life. She sued Warner Brothers. Yeah, I have a vague memory of this. She said she's been inundated with a torrent of people breaking her fences, trespassing, bothering her neighbors, people online talking about we should just break in. Uh, the retired journalist uh, uh, that she has been working with um, uh, said that, uh, uh, oh, no, this is actually in response to something that Andrea Perrin said, which I'll get to in a second. Okay. So uh, instead, um, Sutcliffe uh also wants to dispute this the rumors about Bathsheba, mm-hmm. sort of clear Bathsheba's name. name. Uh-huh. Um, uh, Andrea Perrin said in her books um, that it was, in fact, Bathsheba. Yeah. And so um, Mrs. Sutcliffe essentially did all this research to be like, yeah, Bathsheba is just like a lady. It was just like a, yeah, normal, just like a normal lady person. who like, died of a stroke uh-huh. and no one knew what it was. So they said she turned into stone. Yeah. Like it's crazy the way that she's been demonized and has turned into like a movie villain. Huh. So Andrea Perrin came back and said, I'm not in dispute with Mrs. Sutcliffe about Bathsheba. That was the storyline of a made up movie. Oh. It was a movie designed to highlight the career of Ed and Lorraine Warren. It was their version of events turned into a Hollywood feature film. That's weird. Yeah. Because she wrote about it in her book. Yeah. So she, hmm, okay. Now, the Providence Journal notes, Lorraine Warren did not respond to email requests for interviews. Yeah. Well, I was about to say, I think that probably had more to do with her being quite elderly at this point. Yeah, exactly. So I wrote here. And by all accounts, not super duper well. I wrote here. Yeah, I've been trying to friend Mel Brooks on Snapchat (laughs) for a while, and he hasn't returned my friend request. Huh. That's funny suspicious what's he trying to hide yeah what are you trying to hide mr brooks <laughs> you know what's going on i've been tweeting carl reiner he won't get back to me 
This is insane. We tried to email Lorraine Warren, and strangely. Yeah, how odd. She doesn't know her password. No. <laughs> the hell that weird box is? She thinks it's full of demons. The vision board <laughs> is talking to me again. <laughs> anyway. Oh, so God. Andrea Perrin goes on to say she no longer thinks Bathsheba was to blame. Uh-huh. Okay. She says that it was Lorraine Warren who came up with that. She now thinks it might have wow, been. Wow, this is quite a turnaround. She now thinks it might have been a Mrs. John Arnold, who allegedly hung herself in the barn on the Perrin property in the, in the 18th century. I think she brought this person up during the interview. This happened in like 2014, you said? Yes. Okay, so her appearance on San Antonio Living was also in 2014, where she's talking about all this stuff. So... I don't know. She had a quick turnaround. Well, also, so Changed that retired journalist, quickly. this is what yeah. I was going to get into before, and I did it out of sequence. Yeah. The retired, retired journalist, Kent Spotswood, also disagrees with that, saying there was a Mrs. John Arnold who hung herself, but it was in 1886, and it was in her own home, at least a mile from the Perrin house. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> so whatever the identity of the spirit, yeah. Andrea Perrin says that she saw her. This is a quote from Andrea Perrin about okay. what she saw. She was hideous. Her head was hanging off her neck. Her head looked like a desiccated hornet's nest. Ooh. I mean, that's an awesome image. Covered with cobwebs. She had hollow, vacant eyes, thin lips, jagged yellow teeth. Oh, my God. How great is that? I mean, that's awesome. How great is that? Her head looked like a desiccated hornet's nest. Go ahead, Andrea Perrin. Now, here's the other thing. I yeah. brought up the Haunting of Hill House before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, bent Two neck kids, lady. Yeah, bent neck lady. Totally. Two kids sharing a bedroom, yeah. bed side by side, looking off into the shadows and stuff. Right. There's like a moment in The Conjuring where one of the, the sisters goes like, it's staring at us from behind the bedroom door. Oi. Uh, and, it, and then reading this about how her head was hanging off her neck. I don't yeah. picture like nearly headless Nick like no, almost decapitated. No, I she said to have hung herself. This right. is bent neck lady. Right, totally. Uh, the hornet head. She added about the movie, it was so distant from the truth, it might as well be two stories with the same characters sharing the same names. Oh, man. She really turned around on what she had said previously. She did. And I've got another yeah. plot twist here. Yeah. So uh, Norma Sutcliffe is the one who's upset and is like, leave me alone. I uh -huh. own the house. Leave me alone. Andrea Perrin and Norma Sutcliffe used to be friends. Oh. They did a YouTube video together where they talked about the house. Oh. On which Norma said that she and others have heard voices and, you know, uh, seen spooky stuff happen, doors opening and closing, but never really took it seriously. Ladies. Ladies. Come on. Norma now says she never would have done that video if she knew it was going to go online and knew that it was going to happen before a movie came out about uh -huh. this thing. Like putting her name and her face online. Right, right. Sort of like welcoming people to. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's a fair point. So here's the weird thing that uh, Andrea Perrin said, because she says weird stuff yeah. periodically. She goes, now she wants to make all that disappear. You can't change horses in the middle of the stream and not expect to get wet. I'm sorry? You can't change horses in the middle of the stream and not expect to get wet. You know that old chestnut. We all say that phrase. <laughs> what the hell? All the men folks say it. Yeah. In yonder village. <laughs> yeah, the, the yeoman. <laughs> the yeoman. <laughs> Yo, man. Wow. Uh, 
Also, Norma Sutcliffe posted an hour-long YouTube video where she takes down. Oh, oh man! The myth and the story of the haunting. The girls are the fighting. Yeah. yeah. Well, she doesn't. She's not. She's not in this video. I don't think that she's gunning for Andrea. Andrea okay. Her own. It's yeah. more like. Let me let me tell you the real Set story. The like, story straight. No one actually died straight. in the house. Stuff like that. I'll try to put that in the show notes too. Wow. In case anyone wants to see it. Uh, and then one final shocker about Norma Sutcliffe. Uh huh. She, uh, despite wanting nothing to do with any of this stuff, she appeared in episode two, episode seven of season two of Ghost Hunters. Okay. Where she led the ghost hunters around a haunted house in. Just another haunted house? A different haunted house. This gal's all over the map. She's all over the haunted house I don't have to think about her. I know. Yeah. And then I also found that Ghost Hunters is about two plumbers by day who yes. hunt ghosts at they're, night. Yes. They're like toilet rooters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Toilet rooters. <laughs> <laughs> toilet rooters. Oh, we're toilet rooters. <laughs> you mean plumbers? What are you talking about? No, we're I feel rooters. like the name of their company is something rooters. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, all right. Final pieces of information yeah. that I've got for you. The house is under new ownership. This is the big yes. headline that you and I both saw. Yep. You shared it uh, uh, in the in the group and mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, the The Conjuring house, I guess, Norma Sutcliffe sold. Yeah. And who she told, sold it to was Corey and Jennifer Heinzen. Uh, Corey has been staying there alone, waiting for his family to move down from Maine Wait, to join quick, him. Wait, Those aren't the same names as the sibling writers of The Conjuring. No, that was the Hayes. Hayes, okay. That was the Hayes. Yeah. Uh, he described uh, Corey Heinzen, mm-hmm. new owner, described doors opening and closing on their own, footsteps knocking, disembodied voices. He said, last night we had a black mist in one of the rooms. It looked like smoke. It'll gather in one area and then it'll move. Mm. Which is interesting. Yeah. Uh, Corey Heinzen is a paranormal investigator and was drawn to the job after hearing screams and cannons at a Civil War battlefield during his time in the military. That's cool and freaky. Weirdly, I didn't write this down because it was so tangential. This Uh is an article, by the way, from today. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, But so it it quotes like his friend or something. (laughs) They're like, one of Corey's friends. Says he's a good guy. Believe him. I don't believe in any of this stuff. But then he goes on to say, I almost think it's like we're seeing into other dimensions. The friend said that? Yeah. Oh. And it carried no significance because I'm like, friend of a friend of whatever. Like, yeah. Who cares? Uh, but then when you said the thing about uh, yeah. Carolyn Perrin. Seeing... He's feeling out some sort of portal there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. And then the big news. Oh, yeah. The you biggest, mean the big news. The big news <laughs> that we've all been waiting for. That's right. On Everyone listen close. Turn out the lights. This year on Halloween night. The Travel Channel is airing a two-hour special where the Ghost Adventures crew, led by Zach Baggins, Baggins. will ex- Baggins will explore the Perrin House. Possibly yep. not live. Can't imagine why. <laughs> Here's what Zach Baggins had to say about it. I can't wait. I'm all over that. The residual energy alone is palpable. Oh and the it's really re- good Zach Bagan's voice. And the real-life house that inspired the Conjuring movies. I'm speechless. <laughs> Never. That has been a dream of mine to investigate for years, and I can't believe it's finally happening. It's beyond legendary. I can't wait for viewers to experience this terrifying adventure with us. Guess what? I can't wait to experience it with him. I'll be there with bells on. Yes. What time should I arrive, <laughs> Zach? You just tell us the time and place. Place, one of our houses. Time, Halloween night. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, we're definitely watching this, right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Travel Channel, Halloween night. Yeah, Travel Channel's a major, like, ghost programming hub. I don't even know if they do other things anymore. I'm sure they do. But they have, like, a million ghost shows. Hey, Travel Channel, you want a comedy show about ghosts? Yeah. Oh, by all means, I'll go wherever the hell you want. As long as it's not too far from home. Spooky Sibs, go to a haunted place. <laughs> yeah. Talk about it, do a little comedy show in there. Mm-hmm. Imagine. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it'd be funny to do a stand-up special that's filmed like it's a paranormal reality show. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> like a close zoom on Kumail Nanjiani's face that occasionally... Yeah. Uh, focuses on what's behind him instead of his right, right. And you're just like I don't know how to feel. Yeah, <laughs> I'm confused. I'm off kilter. That'd be great. Yeah, oh, that'd be really fun. Stand up in a in a in a scary place. Yeah, it's just a weird setting. Yeah, you just feel so like incongruous. You'd yeah. be like, eh, like I don't know if people would know to laugh or whatever. Right, They'd just be so like uptight yeah it's a good excuse for not pe- for people not laughing at your comedy true You're like i was trying something experimental and i did it in a haunted house and people were just like not in the mood you know yeah exactly yeah. plus like can david tell stand up under all that pressure <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'd love to find out yeah i wish there were a show about it i know oh my well? gosh hit me up <laughs> yeah. travel channel you know where to find us please or do you yeah um sure. well there you go everybody that's it that's the end of the episode. I hope you enjoyed the show. Until next week, you can find us everywhere on social media at GTTUPod. And you can join our private Facebook group by going to facebook.com slash groups slash GTTUPod or just searching Guides the Unknown Secret Society in Facebook. Yeah. And if you hit up patreon.com slash GTTUPod, you can donate a little something back yep. if you are so inclined. Uh, please spread the word about the show. We would love it if you told your friends about us. Yeah. Uh, uh, shared an episode that you like. Write about us. Tag us in something. Yeah, totally. We love having new members of like the Facebook group of the community, new listeners who just enjoy this stuff. So by all means, tell people if you like it. Yeah, please do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so thank you all so much for hanging out with us. Yeah. We'll be back next week to, to talk about more spooky explorations That's from the right. world of mystery. Mm-hmm. But until that time comes, we must travel. May with the Travel Channel. Oh. I wonder if the Travel Channel covers the netherworld. Mm. Thar go we. Mm. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>